This is the last episode of the year, and we are going to take a look back at the NHL year that was. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. This is Nick Zaragoz, joined by Hunter Hodes on the Locked On NHL Power Rankings. This week, we are going to be talking all about the year that was in the NHL. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Hunter, whenever we get to the end of the year, we in sports media, we like to look back at the year that was to kind of put things in perspective, look for ideas we can kind of take away, test hypotheses that maybe will bear out going forward. Naturally, this time of year is a point of reflection. The NHL is kind of at this weird point right now where I don't know if it's just kind of the state of the league or this is how things have played out, but it really only feels like there's a handful of very good teams every year. And then everybody else is fighting over, you know, those other 11 playoff spots. You see it right now in the NHL for this season, right? I feel like outside of just a couple of teams in the Western conference, whether that's Dallas, Vegas, you can throw Colorado in there as well. I don't really see anyone else in the West that could really challenge those top three teams, maybe Winnipeg, especially if they get continue to get the goaltending from Connor Hellebuck and the scoring from their top players in the East, it's mainly right now the Rangers, the Bruins, and the Panthers. You can throw the Maple Leafs in there, too. I, I would say those are the top four teams in the conference right now. But how many of those are true Stanley Cup contenders? I mean, you can argue all four. I would probably say at least three of them. But outside, Nick, if I would say those six to seven teams, I think all of the rest of the teams right now are either playoff teams that can maybe win a round or two or just middling to flat out bad teams in the NHL. I feel like this year, more than maybe a few other years and years past, there's just not as many contenders as maybe we're used to seeing in the NHL. No, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And putting the last year of the league in context, I mean, because we're, we're talking about last season and the begin, the first half of this season. We haven't played a full half of a season yet. Most teams are in that mid-30 range for games played so far, but... In terms of storylines, something that really stuck out to me, and I wrote about this back in June during the conference finals, was I I know a lot of people get on the commissioner. I'm one of them. They get on the NHL at large for the Panthers, the Coyotes, a number of those teams in non-traditional hockey markets. They don't draw particularly well. And when the teams aren't competitive, you know, a lot of people like to drum up that they should relocate them. Quebec City wants a team. You could put a second team in some other markets, Houston, Atlanta again. And the counterpoint I have to that is, and I know the franchises themselves haven't been that successful. I know the Panthers have been to two cup finals in their 20-ish years of existence. Arizona has been to a conference final, I believe, twice in their existence. But a lot of what those organizations being in those markets does do isn't directly tied to the on-ice results. And I'm looking at it from the perspective of the trickle-down effect, the long-term effect. And I know some of this is cheating because I know that, you know, the Kachucks are the direct children of somebody who was playing on the Arizona Coyotes. But when you look at it, the Kachuk brothers were born in Arizona. Tage Thompson, born in Arizona. The Hughes brothers, 
all grew up born in Florida. Jason Robertson, Southern California. Austin Matthews, Southern California. You, When we talk about the NHL as we get further into the future the league is becoming more american because they are developed the nhl has sunk resources into developing that southern hockey footprint that even if the teams themselves aren't particularly successful the fact we are getting nhl players you know 20 30 years removed from those franchises moving into the markets they're in that's an unabashed win you think about the fact that three of the four teams in last year's conference finals were both in what you would consider the South. And the fourth team was Vegas, who, you know, Nevada is not considered the South, but that's a non-traditional hockey market. All of those factors, you know, you should feel good about that from that perspective as the league, that they have sunk a lot of resources into maintaining those teams in those markets, even when the teams haven't been that good. But when you are getting NHL players from those markets growing up to get into the league, that's an unabashed win for the league. And you can say the same thing for how much the league is sinking into those teams for Arizona as well, Nick, right? Because yeah. you you know the talk. Oh, you got to move the Coyotes. Why are they playing in a college arena? They're having trouble even getting an arena in Arizona. Why don't you send them to Houston or San Antonio, Quebec City, any other place? You send them to, I guess, Atlanta too for the Thrashers or something like that. But the NHL believes in that market and they've seen success there. And heck, Nick, this season as well, the Coyotes have been fun to watch. They have a lot of fun, young talent on that team, and they're in a playoff race this season. That makes the league happy just because of how much they've invested into that team, into that market, and they're hoping that eventually they're going to get an arena deal fully done so that team can stay in Arizona for the foreseeable future. And then the league will be like to all the doubters, hey, told you so. We're not going to be – we told you we were right to not move the team. So – I wanted to build off what you said there because, again, I know everyone gets on the commissioner for the Coyotes, and I have too just because it feels like at times they're not really going anywhere. But with how good they are this year and with how much the fans seem to be behind them and with how much the league believes in that franchise, it doesn't look like they're going anywhere, especially if they're able to get that new arena deal and continue to be competitive into the future. Yeah, absolutely agree with you on that point as well. And you think about the NHL's balance of power now. You talk about both Florida teams have been to cup finals recently. Carolina's made a couple conference finals. Dallas has gone to a cup final and a conference final. Nashville has gone to a cup final. All three of the California teams have been to a cup final. Vegas has been to a cup final, a couple conference finals. Those Southern markets, the non I won't even say Southern. I'll say non-traditional hockey markets, you know, not the Northeast, not Canada, not Minnesota. When we get outside of those traditional markets, those teams taking the vibrance, the vitality that they have, that I know we get on the Predators a lot for not being particularly competitive, for not being aggressive. We get on Arizona for not putting chips in the middle. But when you are consistently okay, you make the playoffs pretty consistently like Nashville has in the last decade. You are making another generation of hockey fans. We will eventually see somebody who grew up in that Predators footprint from that region of the country, whether it's Kentucky, Missouri, etc. You could put Clayton Keller in there because he's from Missouri, but that's more of the Blues footprint than anything. But as the NHL becomes more American dominant, the fact that the country has effectively you know, it sounds stupid to say, but, you know, doubled the areas they can pull players from because they have effectively, you're going to turn more guys out. I mean, we talk about this a lot in relation to international play. It's true within the league itself. And real quick, we'll get into this uh, one other storyline in this first segment, and then we'll move along. The idea of going for it. 
we were talking about it in regards to Vegas, who has been unabashedly aggressive in pretty much their entire existence. Since they came into existence, the way they have constructed that team is even the most incremental, the most small of improvements, they're willing to do it. No matter what it costs, resources-wise, cap-wise, they, they had to play all those games shorthanded a couple of years ago where they couldn't ice 18 skaters because they were over the cap. But when teams put everything in the middle – and then they get rewarded for it. As a fan, that gives you hope that, hey, maybe one year my team will get its act together. They will realize they have a special group. They will push those chips into the middle, and they will go for it. They won't make excuses and say, well, we like the group we have. They won't make excuses and say, well, the market wasn't great. We couldn't get a trade we wanted. When you are good, you need to go for it. I agree. And you've seen Vegas do that countless times over the years, whether it was Mark Stone, right? Whether it was signing Alex Petrangelo, right? Or whether he was even the Max Pacioretty situation, they were yep. aggressive for him as well. Robin Laner? Yep. Robin Laner. You can go down the list for Vegas. They have an aggressive owner who wants to win every single year. You know what he said, Nick, on that opening press conference during the expansion draft night. I want to win a Stanley Cup very fast. I believe it was what, three, three years, five years, something like that was the full quote. And yeah. you know what he got? He, he got his wish. And the Vegas Golden Knights won the Stanley Cup this past year. You also saw it with Boston, even though it didn't work out for the Bruins and they lost in the first round of the Panthers after going up three games to one, they went for it at the deadline. Don Sweeney knew he had a record setting team, especially during the regular season. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to go out to this team. I'm going to go try and make us even more unbeatable. And even though it didn't work out, you still you can't blame him for not being aggressive, just like you can't blame all the other teams, the contenders, excuse me, for going out there, being aggressive, even though it may not work at times. You should be aggressive and be like, you know what? Okay, even though I'm not going to have this pick or this prospect next year or the year after that, I'm still in it to win it now, and I'm giving the fans what they want because at the end of the day, banners hang forever. That's what this business is. And we will be right back. Our next partner is AG1, the daily nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. I literally drink it every single day. I gave it a try because I was tired of having to take multiple supplements to get what I needed from a nutritional supplement. I drink it in the morning before I have my coffee. I pour a little bit into my water, take a nice deep sip, open a window, take a deep breath, and cope with the fact I am up again for yet another day. AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients to support whole body health. When you are trying to get to that next level, we're starting, a lot of people are going to be talking about their New Year's resolutions, getting in the gym, feeling better every single day. That starts with taking care of yourself. A huge part of that is taking care of your whole body health. It is a micro habit that delivers macro benefits, and just about everybody that takes it takes great care of their health. I also like the fact that it's pretty cheap at just three bucks a day. It's a really effective habit. It's a win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supplement of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL network. That's drinkag1.com slash NHL network. Check it out. 
Hello, everyone, and thanks for hanging out with us today on the National Power Rankings episode. Locked On has launched the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. Hunter, I wrote down on our rundown here, players of the year, and we're not just going to sit here and talk about McDavid, McKinnon, McCarr, you know, everybody knows those guys are great. We, we don't need to waste our breath talking about how good great players are. My idea for this segment was very straightforward to talk about maybe some guys who either broke through last year or guys who had had a good season or two before that, but really kind of solidified themselves as an upper echelon elite player. And this can be the first half of this season as well. I know both of us have one player in particular who got off to a really strong start this year that we're going to highlight. So I'll let you take the floor first. Who do you want to gas up right now? I definitely want to gas up Jason Robertson, to say the least. I knew he was great heading into last season and heading into this season, but I didn't think he was going to be this good. And what I mean by that is a top five to top 10 player in the league. He finished last year with over a hundred points in this year. He's already off to a ridiculous start, 11 goals, 32 points in 33 games. He has been awesome ever. And since entering the NHL, excuse me. And again, you know, it's the stars were able to hit on him at a time where they really needed to, just because the stars, it felt like this might've been the end for the, Ben Sagan and even Radulov era because he was there for a time and John Klingberg was there for quite a while before he moved on, but they were able to hit on him, Rupe hints, and it's turned them into a juggernaut because you have that nice, good mix of younger talent like Hints and Robertson, especially mixing them with those veterans like Ben, like Sagan and Pavelski, obviously as well. And it's turn, turned them, excuse me, into one of the best teams in hockey. Robertson, he has just really come into his own throughout the year, even dating back to last season. And it's been awesome to see. I, I watch him when I can, even though I am not in the Dallas market. Anytime the stars are on ESPN Plus, I will go out of my way to watch him because he is a special talent. And it's going to be a lot of fun when the NHL does that international competition. I believe it's going to be in 2025 because you're going to get to see him on an international stage. And that's going to, I think, have more and more people realize how good this player is. And then hopefully when they go to the Olympics the next year, more and more people can see the, the special talent that he is as well. But that's the player I wanted to really highlight for this segment. Hey man, anytime you score 40 tucks in the national, that's something to feel good about on a team like that. I mean, him and Rupe Hintz unlocked the fountain of youth. Joe Pavelski might play till he's a hundred in all honesty, if he can keep playing between the two of them. Yep. One, I, I, I mentioned him. I'll talk about him now. Rupe Hintz has been one of the best transition players in the NHL, basically since he got into the league. And when I talk about transition, I mean, getting the puck in the neutral zone, carrying the puck into the offensive zone with possession and creating offense off of that. You know, when we talk about that skill set, the elite zone entry guys, we're talking about McDavid. We're talking about Jack Hughes. We're talking about McKinnon. We're talking about Panarin. We're talking about the elite of the elite, that guys that are so good, they make their own offense. Rupe Hintz is, does that for the stars on the same level. He doesn't put up the counting stats as those other guys, at least not till the last couple of years, but playing with Robertson, playing with Joe Pavelski, he has really kind of found a different 
it's a different lane of talent because he's never going to put up the 80 to 100 points that, you know, the superstars are. But that type of skill set, you know, just really good in transition, really good passer and a really dependable playmaker where he's not elite at anything, but he's really good at everything. And he makes everybody's elf, everybody else he plays with lives easier next up i will go we'll go back and forth snake style the other person i really wanted to touch on and i know you're going to talk about him as well so we'll get this out of the way now quinn hughes has kind of re-solidified himself oh, in the conversation he he's re-solidified himself in that conversation with mccarr fox and charlie mcavoy as the guys you know i i know their rookie season him mccarr and fox were all up for the call they all had legitimate claims to the call there and then because the canucks weren't just weren't as good of a team as the avalanche and the rangers quinn hughes has kind of been relegated to he's good offensively but he's not that great defensively which wasn't true but that was an easy narrative when you looked at the counting stats i know a lot of the casuals will look at the plus minus and be like how good could he be at defense if they're getting outscored that badly when he's on the ice but that was a product of having to play with tyler myers i contest anybody to try and be successful when you're playing most of your minutes with tyler myers against the other team's best competition you know no tyler myers he's fine down the lineup but you don't want him playing on your first pair against other teams best guys quinn's been outstanding this year one of the driving forces of the canucks resurgence this year i'll let you see i'll cede the floor so you can get in a point on quinn yeah, I mean, Hughes has been unbelievable. 10 goals, 45 points in 36 games. And the funny thing is, when you talk about Quinn Hughes, he's always been this good, if not potentially better. I mean, he had 76 points in 78 games last year, and the Canucks didn't even make the playoffs. It feels like, as you said, his name didn't get talked about enough just because the Canucks haven't been as good for the past few years. But you remember during that shortened season and during the COVID bubble year, Hughes really came into his own, I felt like. And he was one of the best players on the ice both of those seasons. And it's only continued as he's matured more in the NHL. His ability to enter the zone with control is also second to none. You mentioned a lot of those other guys, Nick. The way he is able to come into the zone with a puck on his stick and not lose it, 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 it's an elite talent, I think. And the way he's able to quarterback the Canucks power play, which has been red hot this year, that's also a unique trait for him. He's just an all-around great defenseman. And it's been awesome seeing him get the respect that he deserves from more of the national media this year because his play has really gone under the radar the past few years. And he he's right up there in terms of being one of the five to 10 best defensemen on this planet, I think. So real quick, there's three people I want to get in here. I won't go in depth on all of them, but I want to get Quinn Hughes, uh, Jack Hughes in here as well. Solidified himself as one of the 10, 15 best players in the world with the year sure. he had last year. We saw the glimmers of that before last year, but the Devils being one of the best teams in the league was really a perfect environment for him to thrive. And then I want to shout out Evan Bouchard on the Oilers and Noah Dobson on the Islanders. Bouchard, I always saw it. I knew that the Oilers were intentionally slow playing him to ease him into playing at this level because they didn't have an ideal partner for him. But you watch you watch him play. He's undoubtedly the Oilers' best defenseman. That right-handed, puck-moving, offensive defenseman that every single team covets because of how few good ones there are. He's one of them. And then Noah Dobson, same deal on the Islanders. He's really kind of usurped Adam Pellick as their best defenseman. He kind of had a rough season defensively last year. But whatever he did in the offseason worked for him because the defense has been there and the counting stats are there. And he's been one of the driving forces in the Islanders' ability to stay relevant, even though their record isn't great. 
Right. I, I would agree with that. I think he's actually been one of the most underrated defensemen in the league this year. This answer that I have for my, my last one, Nick, might not be fair considering how good he was last year. He had over 100 points. But with how good he's been this year without Patrice Bergeron, I would honestly go David Pasternak. I mean, he's one of the best pure goal scorers in the league. And this year already has 20 goals in 33 games, 45 points overall. This is without Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci. Yeah, he gets a lot of playing time with Brad Marchand, who's also one of the best players in the league. But to do this without Patrice Bergeron, who is one of the best centers of this generation, and to continue to play like this on a Bruins team that really didn't have a lot of center depth heading into the year and still doesn't, I think there's another move or two to be made there before the trade deadline. And to have them with the record they have right now, that's pretty big for me, in my opinion. He continues to just live by himself as one of the best players in the league. I mean, again, everyone knows that considering what he did last year, but I don't I don't think right now there's 10 better players in the league than Pasternak, especially as a goal scorer. I mean, there's definitely not I – I wouldn't even say four better pure goal scorers than him in this league right now. He continues to get better, which is scarier, to, to be honest. <laughs> You're very right there. And we will be right back and we'll talk about our favorite moments of the hockey season this year. It is almost the halfway point in the NHL season, hockey fans. And the highs and lows of the season are a little bit better Where, when you use Sleeper's Daily Fantasy Hockey, the official fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially the Daily Fantasy Hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in Daily Fantasy Hockey contest. If you were trying 100 times your money and lock down those eight picks you need to win, you have got to be looking at guys who are consistently dependable. Maybe some of the guys we just mentioned like Rupe Hins and Jason Robertson and David Posternock, those types of high-end elite players that you know are going to hit the thresholds you need to win. In addition, Sleeper is the only app I use for my consistent fantasy football dynasty leagues. It's got the easiest and most intuitive interface to use. All you have to do is pick whether star players like McDavid, Crosby, McKinnon, Connor Bedard, Whoever will record more or less than their sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more in a given game. To win a 100 times bet on sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, NHL fans. You can win a 100 times your money. For, so start paying attention, nail those picks, and win big. Use promo code locked on NHL and you'll get up to a hundred dollar match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code locked on NHL. See sleepers terms of use for details and locational availability. Hello, hockey fans, and we are going to end this episode of the National Power Ranking Show on our favorite moments of the last year in the hockey world. Hunter, I cede the floor to you. I will let you hit the first beat. One of the top moments of the year, obviously, outside of you know Vegas winning their first Stanley Cup, I would say is the Maple Leafs breaking their 19-year curse and winning their first round since 2004. All the pressure was on them heading into that series against the Lightning. Numerous people dubbed them as the favorites, but for me, I had to really see it before I could actually pick them to win a series. They were the better team against the Lightning, and they showed it throughout. And that moment was awesome. Just you could see the flat out joy in all the players faces and the fans. I mean, I saw, you know, Maple Leaf square, excuse me, going absolutely crazy fans just crying out there just because they haven't seen a playoff series win in basically two decades. That's gotta be one of the top moments of the year, especially for me. 
Oh, absolutely. That was definitely something I wanted to highlight. Just the cathartic release of 20 years of anguish. I, I know a lot of people enjoy beating up on the Leafs. The Leafs occupy a lot of oxygen in the hockey space because both of the major media entities that cover the NHL are based in Toronto and Canada. And a lot of content is done through a Leaf-centric lens. That recurring joke of anytime anything happens, but how does this affect the Leafs? It's very true. It is. But that was a good feeling for a lot of different people. I would also like to highlight, and this is going to sound weird coming from a Rangers person, but it was important that the Devils won that playoff series last year for the vision they had for the organization. That was a team that has, hadn't won a playoff series since the conference finals against the Rangers in 2012 on the Adam Henrique goal. They'd only made the playoffs once in that window when they lost to Tampa Bay in five games and in the year Taylor Hall won the Hart Trophy. Right. You know, when you are a franchise that has a fan base that at that point, it wasn't like disinterest or frustration. It was just pure apathy. The Devils fan base, as somebody who goes to a lot of Devils game, who went to a lot of Devils games, I should say, during that 10 year lull where they were just wholly irrelevant, you know, you could sit. 10 15 rows from the ice for 20 to 30 dollars most nights depending on who the opponent was but it is important that those types of teams that don't have the most dedicated or the longest histories that they get those moments every now and then of being like okay i am willing to invest my time my effort and my money in this team and every now and then you're going to have a special season like they had last year. I mean, 110 standings points. Jack Hughes solidified himself as one of the best players in the world. Nico Heischer, when he's healthy, is a Selkie candidate-worthy center. Yeah, and you have auxiliary players like Tyler. Not Tyler. Tyler Toffoli wasn't on the team last year, but now Dawson Mercer had a really strong season. He had 30 tucks last year. Dougie Hamilton stayed healthy for the first time since he got to Jersey, put together a really strong season. So. Anytime you have those, I won't say smaller market because, you know, North Jersey is a densely populated area, but anytime you have one of those newer franchises, get one of those types of special seasons, that's important for the health of the league as a whole. And the way they were able to also come back in that series, Nick, because, you yeah. know, the Rangers were up to nothing in that series. They blew them out those first two games in Newark. And it was like, oh, I don't know if the Devils are ready for this. And then all of a sudden they wore back in that series. And they're able to win it in, in game seven and just basically flat out outplay the Rangers in that seventh game. If not for Igor Shesterkin, it probably would have been a lot worse than what the final score was at the time. But they really grew, I feel like, in that series. And yeah, it went a little south against Carolina in that second round. But that was a massive series win for that team because it catapulted them to another level heading into the offseason. Yeah, they've had their struggles so far this season. Some of it is injury-related. That was still a major year for that team and for a fan base that's been really starving for success. I guess if I want to have another big moment, this one's also a little bit more obvious. The Panthers upset over the Bruins. That's probably one of the biggest upsets of this generation, of one of the biggest upsets that I've seen, I think, in my lifetime in NHL history. To be honest, the Bruins up three games to one in that series. They look to be totally in control. They're, you know, in the final seconds of game five, they're they might be able to win it on a breakaway to end the third period to win that game in five games. Barovsky makes that save, and then the Panthers win that in overtime. And boom, they win game six, and then they get the upset over the Bruins at the Garden when Jeremy Swayman was starting in game seven. That was just such a stunning upset because it felt like – never in a million years did I feel like it was going to happen – up until maybe the final few minutes of the third period of game seven, because it looked like the Bruins were nervous 
defending that lead. And then especially in overtime when it got there, when the Panthers tied it with about a minute to go in game seven, they the Bruins were nervous. They were like, okay, I, we don't know if we can just play through this. And sure enough, the Panthers won that game in overtime. But it was just still such a massive upset. And it really, I think, also brought new fans into hockey in South Florida. Because, you know, Panthers fans, they have a good fan base. But by the end of that run, there's no doubt their fan base grew considering what they did that, that entire spring and then into the early portions of the summer. Of course. And that's the easiest way to grow your fan base. It's yes. not rocket science. You win, casual people will show up. You keep winning, those casual fans will become dedicated fans. Winning sure. cures all. It is the most obvious statement in all of sports, but winning solves a hell of a lot of problems. The last thing I want to touch on, this is a little more like sentimental, but Brock Besser coming back after the year he had last year and just killing it this year. Really awesome to see. Good hockey guy. Really went through the ringer last year between injuries, the loss of his father. To see somebody struggle with what he went through last season, take the summer, reset, come back, and not only – I don't want to say like re-fall in love with hockey because that sounds ridiculous to say about a professional hockey player, but I know in reading a lot of the stuff about last year, he went through hell in, in his own head. So to see a guy like that come back, really put together a strong season, be one of the reasons, like we were talking about with Quinn Hughes, that the Canucks are having a great season. That was one last thing I wanted to touch on. I like that you brought that up because it looked like for quite a, a while last year, he was going to get traded. You know, he was in a lot of trade rumors and they were like, oh, like, does he need a fresh start? Like with everything that's going on. But the Canucks held firm. They kept him through the deadline last year, they kept him through the offseason, even though there were trade rumors surrounding him there. And they bet on him heading into this year. And they've won that bet. 24 goals in 36 games, 38 points overall in 36 games. One of the biggest reasons why the Canucks are one of the top contenders in the Western Conference this year. And I actually should have added them when we were talking about them in our first segment. I apologize about that. I would add the Canucks to a Stanley Cup contender list because they, they are very much for real this year. But, yeah, completely agree with you overall on that. And that'll do it for this week's episode of the Locked On NHL Power Rankings. Hunter and I will be back next week. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcasts over on YouTube as well. Be safe this weekend. Have a happy new year. We'll see you guys then.